Hey, Vandu, did you miss our family? We missed you. You know, we were able to get away for a couple of weeks and uh, actually three Sundays, which, wow, we needed the break. I don't know if you know this about COVID, but it was an interesting time to pastor. Nobody knew this. Is this breaking news right now? Hey, thank you so much for letting us get away for a little bit. But I'll tell you, like, if I could just figure out a way to get my people to my vacation. We had a great time with our family. We needed that connection time. But I'll tell you, like, somebody, somebody needs to buy an island somewhere and then we can all vacation together. Come on. Kata, do you have an island? You don't have an island. Next year. All right. She's just said next year she's going to. Hey, um. Thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to my dad who covered uh, the pulpit for me and, and preached a great message. We call him Pastor Richard out of respect and um, just a really timely word for the church right now. And he's retired now, which means he still pastors because he wouldn't know what to do with himself if he didn't. And uh, you and I get a benefit from that. So thank you so much, uh, dad. And um, um, also my, my pastor, my, my dad was my pastor for most of my life. And now my pastor, Peter and Carolyn Haas also brought a word from God for you. And so, um, was that good? You know, um, and also pastor Peter again last week. And so we had somebody who was new, maybe, maybe you're here today. Um, ask at the box office, like that was really good. Is that like the normal pastor? just lie to get people to church. I don't care how you get people here. It's fine. You'll be disappointed later, but, um, you know what? Um, I came back with fresh vision and I really feel like during our Sunday fun day, you know, church, we're having a blast at church and it's great to be here, even though the entire, not the entire church, cause you're here. The most important people are here. Amen. Yeah. And the people who I'm preaching to online right now at their campsite, Hey, we love you too. Hey, it's important to get a break and to get away and to, you know, you need to observe a Sabbath too, where it's just like worship and reconnect with God. And, and, uh, that's, uh, that's really good, really good for you as well. But, um, but I came back and I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach about the prophet Elijah. And so I called this series, Harry man. Just give me a minute. You'll see why. Um, I've called this series Hairy Man because Elijah was a hairy man. I feel like the Lord wanted me to preach this series too. I think it's very, very timely. And um, it's funny, I know that God wanted me to preach this series called Hairy Man about the prophet Elijah because my computer this week wouldn't type the letter J for Elijah and it wouldn't type M's. And you ever have a computer key stick where you just like keep pushing it and nothing's happening? And you keep pushing it and conclusive evidence that this is the series I need to preach. All right, you guys ready to go? Um, Second Kings chapter one and verse eight. If you haven't read the Bible and you're wondering what uh, Harry Man series, and this doesn't sound very spiritual, I assure you that it is. I'm going to read it from you and uh, to you from the Bible. Um, there's this account in Second Kings chapter one where a, a king, he falls through the lattice work of some place in his palace and he really uh, injures himself and he's not sure if he's gonna get better. And so he sends a messenger, um, but he doesn't send a messenger to, to talk to Yahweh, which was Israel's God. So um, if you're new to church, and so Yahweh is like the name of God, Jesus' father, okay? So, but, but back then, just like right now, there's all sorts of different religions floating around there. And if you don't think hockey was a religion, you got people like, they'll sit here in church and never like, and then they go to a hockey game and lose their minds, right? English soccer is totally different, by the way. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. That's not. Um, and so what happens is the king sends a messenger 
to the God of Ekron saying like, hey, am I going to get better or not? Am I going to recover or not? And the messenger gets intercepted by, by a, a, a man who sends him back to the king with a different message. And he, the messenger must have been so scared by this person because this, this person, this man, sent him back with a message that wasn't like a nice message. Back then you wanted to give the king a nice message because he could mess up your day. And he would. And he comes back with a message that's like, hey, Yahweh says, why didn't you come to ask me? And because you didn't come to ask me, you're not going to get better. And why wouldn't you come and ask me? And so the king, this messenger shows back up and the king's like, what are you doing here? I just sent you. It's like when you send your kid to 7-Eleven, but they go over across town. And, they and so he comes back way too early, this messenger. And the king's like, what are you doing? And, and, and the guy says, well, this guy met us and sent us back here with a different message. And the king says, what sort of man was he? What did he look like? Now you think of like, think of two words that if somebody could describe you, what, what did Eric look like? We, we talked to this guy, yeah. what did he look like? They replied, he was a hairy man and he wore a leather belt around his waist. That meant like a leather girdle, that's like leather underpants, not super, like really, not comfortable everybody. And the king says, I know exactly who you're talking about. There's nobody who's hairy like Elijah the prophet. And that's exactly what he said. Elijah from Tishbe. And so this series is called Hairy Man. Now, a hairy man is a scary man. <laughs> this was before the day of like, you know, men who get all shaved up and everything. If this is your first time in church, this is sort of what we do here. Look, we got to laugh a little bit because um, when Elijah the prophet comes with a message, you tend to cry. And so you, if you laugh uh, first, then, then your heart's a little bit open and then you can get the message from God. A hairy man is a bit of a scary man. How scary is this guy that the king sent this messenger and the messenger came back with this dis different message? You know, um, when I was a kid, my uncle Dean, who was my favorite, he still is my favorite uncle, in spite of this situation that happened... We were at, uh, eating like at a barbecue or something in a backyard. And I remember he said to me, hey, hey, Corey, do you want to, do you want to eat a radish? He must have had a radish. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, you got to eat radishes, he says, because it puts hair on your chest. And then he, then he shows me his chest. And I'm like, I remember being a kid and traumatized. And I'm like, <laughs> there is a virtual forest on this man's chest. And I'm like, that's how that happened? And I know there was no scientific backing for what he said, but I didn't eat radishes for, I'll bet you a good 10 years. Cause I'm like, ah, do I risk it? You know, we're so carefully cultured these days. You want everything so refined because you're so back then though, life was a lot rougher. You know, you don't want like a perfectly uh, groomed Man, on because there was a lot of war back then. Do you know who I want on my team? Hairy men. Because hairy men are scary. I don't want these perfectly cleaned up, manicured, librarian looking. You know what I mean? I don't want that. I want like animals. I want crazy people on my team. And... But see, you and I, we like things all kind of neat and tidy because this is what happens is, you know, you meet God who's out, out, 
like ravishing love and crazy commitment levels, he commits to send Jesus down to die on a cross for your sins and adopt you into his family. Crazy plan. Like a 100% fail rate. Like he's going to die. And he sends this... And, and you, there's this wildness about God that you're attracted to because he could do something like that, like bankrupt everything and to find you. And you're just like, oh my, there's this wildness about Christ that attracts you. But then your, your tendency and my tendency is to take him and to shave him, the lion of the tribe of Judah, into one of those like poodles. You know what I mean? Like... That's great, but I'm a little scared of that one. I'm just going to like take a little off of here and a little off of there. And um, God, don't you know that the God of the Bible will see we've sort of evolved sexually. What am I allowed to preach about here? You know, we've sort of evolved. Now it's like, hey, just do anything you want. And hey, be anything you want. And hey, identify as a 65-year-old unicorn, Eric. If that's who you want to be, then go for it, you know? And I'm not going to say anything wrong because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But everybody's like, but I don't think that he's a unicorn. He's like, but I think that I'm a unicorn. You know, We've got this whole thing going on. We're like, hey, yeah, God, you speak to some things. And thank you for saving me out of that ridiculous mess that the devil had me in. Thank you for adopting me. But you know what? Take it easy. Like, far enough. Right? And then we shave the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, have you watched the lion and the, the witch in the wardrobe? Have you read those books? How that, that witch shaved Aslan the lion. You know, there's something about the devil that just wants to shave him and make him all pretty for you. But there's something wild about... I told my girls, like, when they're allowed to date when they're like 35 or whatever. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You think I'm kidding. You know what, though? I don't want them to, like, date boys. I like the boys today. I want them to find a man who's on fire for Jesus and doesn't care what they think. You know, like, I mean, and I want them, and I, I don't want a man to marry my girls and, like, tame them into this, like, sort of like, well, you got to be careful how much you love God, or you got to be careful, and you got to be careful. And you, man, I want, my, I, want, I want a warrior to meet a warrior, and both of them are more in love with Jesus than they are with each other. I just want this, like... No, there's something, the wildness. You don't tame the wildness of Jesus where somebody's just crazy enough to do whatever God tells them to. But, but you and I, we get ourselves into these binds and then we don't really want the lion of the tribe of Judah. We don't really want the messenger that he sends us because he's a bit hairy. We want somebody who kind of agrees with us. You know, the only way for God to change you is for God to offend your sensibilities. The only way for you to grow bigger muscles is to offend the current ones that you have. And the only way for him to change you into a better life is to take apart the life you have. And the only way for him to build you a bigger house is for you to tear down or leave the house that you're in. Right? And the only way for him to do that, see, see the message of the gospel is hugely confrontational. It's like, hey, y'all got a problem with sin. You want to go to heaven? You got to, okay, sell the farm, you know, give it all. Because Jesus gave it all. That's how the family works. And then you give it all to the next one. Come on. And so we come to this like crazy love, but then we're like, Hey, but thanks God, uh, but we got it from here. And you're going to be a little nicer than you were in the old Testament. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we, we really, we, we get this idea in our heads. Like now comfort is the enemy of your destiny. You've got to learn to lean into the discomfort. We, we say this around here. Discomfort is the new comfort. 
We're just like, oh, oh, that's uh, the comfort that North America loves. Oh, we don't even, we don't even value that at Venue Church. And we don't even care. You know what we like? We like being uncomfortable. Because safe doesn't save. And every time that I try to turn the line of the tribe of Judah into a poodle, I make him safe. But he's not that because safe never saved anything. And you live this safe Christianity life where you got everything under control. You got everything under wraps. Nobody's allowed to tell you anything you don't like. Well, that's not Christianity. It's really not. Because your destiny is in front of you. And now... Your purpose in this life, if you're new to venue, is to do uh, two things, to connect with God and to connect with people. That's it. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't do that, you're going to die without purpose. You know, that's not what I want for you. And then we say this, the only way to, to find your purpose, that connection with God and people is to help somebody else find theirs. So there's this thing out now that's like, Hey, healthy people are happy people. So be healthy. True. But don't stop there. The only way to be healthy is to help. See, health is for helping. And when you do that, then you'll be happy. You'll never be healthy, truly, until you're helping. And you don't have to be healthy to help. You just got to start. And then God will make you more healthy, and then he'll, you'll help more. And then that's how that all happens there. But, but relationships, God's way, are quite uncomfortable. Maybe you haven't noticed. If you're married, has it ever been uncomfortable? Don't raise your hand, guys. That was a trap uncomfortable. You know the only relationships that are comfortable are like, do we have any gamers in the house? You have online relationships with other gamers? It's kind of comfortable, right? Yeah, y'all kind of want the same things. No, I got nothing against gamers. I'm just like, I lack the hand-eye coordination. So if I had to go to war now, you know, with like, I, I assume that's how they shoot rockets, we'd be dead. I'd be shooting rockets at my own, you know, I don't know. I got stories. Anyways, I just gave up. I just quit. But here's the thing, a relationship with a fellow gamer online is great. There's going to be no sparks there, but who cares because you're not actually doing anything. <laughs> like, I mean, do it for leisure, but like, don't build your life around something that's not actually. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, like, sorry to break it to you. Listen, God wants you to build something with your life. He wants your life to matter and that like rest and relax and watch, you know, watch soccer. That's great. But, you know, watching soccer never saves somebody's life. There's so many things I want to say here. Listen, this is how relationships work. It's, it's like I, my, my, um, my trade that I came up in was an ele electrical trade. Let me, let me give you a little electrical uh, talk here. I'm, I'll, I'll dumb it down for plumbers if there's any in the house. Hey, when we're building that new building right over there, there's going to be trash talk happening. I'm just like, pony up, guys. Because that's how trades people connect. It's just a lot of cutting humor, and, but we love each other. That's how we're like, oh, he loves me. He was making fun of me. That's great. So anyways, so I'll just, I'll just make this uh, a lecture. I wrote an article that's coming out in the paper about that very thing this week, actually. So anyways, um, so this is what happens. Every time you turn a switch on to turn a light on, because uh, your connection is to turn a light on. And if you're not trying to turn a light on, then who cares if there's no sparks in the connection? Like, who cares that, like, hey, no, we never fight. I'm like, I wonder if you're doing anything. Because... If the light comes on, this every single time that a switch closes, it's one metal plate with electrons. I'll just I'll keep it as simple as I can, plumbers. One metal plate. I know I know Josh is watching me right now online. One metal plate with electrons trying to get to the metal plate that needs electrons to turn the light on. And the closer the plates get to each other, there's sparkage. Every time there's a switch that you turn on, there's sparks in there. 
And what happens over time is, I'm preaching to somebody's marriage right now or somebody's relationship with their teenager. Every time that they get close, the electrons start exchanging already. And they start going back and forth, back and forth really fast there. And it, it's like little lightning strikes in there. So sparks flying. You want a relationship? Well, if your relationship wants to turn any lights on, there's going to be sparks, and that's a good thing. But what happens over time is those, those plates, they, whether if they're made out of copper, they, they start getting scarred and start getting kind of pitted. And so guys like me would come along, and we would take sandpaper, and we would get them in between those plates. And this is the part of life that you and I don't like because we don't want sandpaper because we, it hurts. And it rubs off some of the things that we think we're good at. And God's like, no, you're not. You need to reinvent because for the past 10 years, you thought that you were that person and you're not. And this is what I need you to be as the relationship matures. And so he comes in and he starts saying, now Elijah the prophet is a guy who's like made out of sandpaper. <laughs> the trouble is when God sends you a messenger with an offensive message, which is like, hey, let's rub some of these edges off. Hey, you're not kind enough. Hey, you need to forgive. Well, no, I'm going to wait until he changes. Sweetheart, you're going to wait forever. You got to forgive first. Did Jesus wait till you changed? No, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And so, no, you have the power to forgive and you have the power to forgive anything. And if you won't, you'll be, in, you'll be the one in prison, not them. And so God's like, hey, no, no, let's get some sandpaper going on here. Well, Elijah the prophet is like sandpaper. Now, if you want to find your destiny, get used to uncomfortable messengers. Or don't. We're that church. I'm like, or don't. You're going to get uncomfortable here. You're not going to like it. I still can't preach a comfortable message. I still don't know how. <laughs> Why? Because you have a destiny when we're not there yet. And until you're unhappy with, hey, you know what? Yeah, yesterday was great and God did some great things. And you know what? We made some improvements. But like to, today we got work to do for tomorrow because there's people out there tomorrow that if you don't, if we don't get it together and if we don't mature and grow and get challenged and get it. I mean, the city won't come to get saved over in that building if we don't get better as a church. And that's like a lot of, it's a lot of work. Well, God sends Elijah the prophet. You got to get used to uncomfortable messengers with uncomfortable messages. Do you hear this these days? You know, my, my kids in school these days, it looks a little different than when I was in school. So we like counted rocks and we're like cavemen. No. I'm not that old. Um, but you know, I hear this now like, well, I wish that my, you know, I didn't appreciate the way that my teacher corrected me about that. I know it's a thing now. I'm like, you know, times I was asked by my father if I appreciated my, what my teacher, <laughs> he didn't care. He's like, boy, just don't embarrass me out there. You know? <laughs> he never said that, but he meant that he was thinking it. It was different, you know, but we want to be handled so perfectly. Well, what do you, why do you think that God, God doesn't, God sends you hairy people that are kind of scary. And once you get used to that, you'll start appreciating like, no, it takes tough people to give tough messages. And as we talk about this whole hairy idea, there were not just, he was not just like a hairy man. He also carried a hairy mantle. Now, when uh, John the Baptist came, did you, did you know that he was described as having like a camel uh, coat? But not like a camel coat that didn't have hair on it. Like it had hair. And John the Baptist also wore a leather belt or a leather girdle or leather underpants. You know, this is like not comfortable attire. <laughs> not. Super comfortable. Nothing about these guys was comfortable. And, and they care. It's like the nearest thing that you don't have camels. Do you, anybody have a camel? Right. So you don't know what I'm talking about. So let's say like a bear skin. Have you ever been to a cabin? 
Like, they're great for when it's cold and there's a fire out, but imagine living in Israel and wearing one of these around. You know, it's uncomfortable, it's horrible, it's itchy, it's heavy. Now, for the message that God has you in your workplace and in your family and in your group of friends, God has a message that he wants you to, to, to speak to them. But until you learn how to carry the mantle, That's good. Yeah. the mantle is the right to speak the message. And your teenager can sniff a fake out from a mile away. And they know if you're not paying for what you preach. Come on, parents. They can, they know... You have to learn how to carry the mantle, this heavy, itchy, uncomfortable thing. And to see, you need grace to carry a mantle that's heavier than you. You need the grace and power of God. I know you want to walk around and look like, you know, you don't need any mantle. You don't need this. Well, sometimes God wants to address you a little abnormally. And you need to lean into the hairy parts. Is this going to get weird? You need to lean into the thing that sets you apart. Some of you came from broken homes and broken families, and you need to lean into the very places God healed you from. Don't try to escape it because somebody else needs to escape it. And if, and if you don't lean into that, man, you, your, your message is going to be like a breath of fresh air for somebody, and you're going to be like, hey, hey, I know exactly what you came from, and God healed me, and I'm not a mess, and I'm not addicted, and I'm not like my dad. You don't have to be. you got to lean into the, into the mantle that you carry. Quit asking God to make you look like the people around you, all carefully, you know, shaved, <laughs> smelling all nice. Now, we need, some, we need some nasty people in the church. <laughs> man, if you've got a weird, super loud laugh, man, use it for the glory of God. If you have weird feet, nasty Gibson, man, for the glory of God. She's not here. She's camping this weekend. Trot around for the glory of God in those. <laughs> Quit looking for the respect of people. Man, your weird feet are a platform for the glory of God. That she can walk somehow. I'm going to get in lots of trouble here. <laughs> now, now Elijah, 1 Kings 17, who is from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab. Now Ahab is married to a famous crazy lady named Jezebel. Um. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. And you're like, well, that makes sense because he was Hebrew. And yeah, but see, Ahab was into the God called Baal and, and his wife Jezebel was into a God called Asherah. And you're like, what does that have to do with present day society? Well, these other gods of the people were where people would lean into sacrifice to to make them happy to make sure their businesses went well to Baal was the god of the weather there's the god of fertility the god of come on the god of health and long life and they would have to sacrifice to you're like well Canada doesn't have those and uh, the devil doesn't care if you try to if you come to church and serve a bunch of other gods too he didn't care but Elijah's name, every time you met this guy, have you ever met people who were just like, Yahweh is my God. There was one God and his name is Jesus and that's it. Yeah. Yahweh, the father, like there's one God and one mediator between God and man and none of the rest of it's going to work. And I tried it and it doesn't work. There's this, every time Ahab talks to Elijah, it's like sandpaper on Ahab because he serves so many gods. And when you serve many gods, you're really trying to get them to serve you. But this Yahweh is my God thing is like, Elijah's like, yeah, no, uh, I'm his servant. 
and uh, he's not mine. And that's how that works. <laughs> Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him I will soon send rain. Well, why three years? You know, when this COVID thing started, I was like, well, how long could this take? Anybody else? Like super optimistic. Like this couldn't take like what, like a month? <laughs> I've been wrong several times during this <laughs> whole pandemic. Well, famine takes a little time. Rehab takes a little time. When the nations stop serving God and start serving, you know, Canada was found, founded on Christian principles and founded on like, God, you gave us this beautiful country. And then it, a generation went by and generation went by. And we're like, hey, God, thanks for all your stuff, but we'll take it from here. We found these other gods that we can manage who look like poodles. We don't mind them. They don't hurt our feelings as much. They don't tell us what to do. And God's like, oh, the further you get away from design, the less happy you're going to be. But it takes an Elijah and a sandpaper to come and be like, no, 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 no. That's, you're going in the wrong direction. And so what happens is, and what happened, I believe, in COVID is that the further the nation got away from God, like, it catches up. You know, and God is gracious for a long time. But then it's like, and then there's a famine in the land, you know. And this is what's happening here. There's a famine. Three years of drought. And, um, and, and see, the drought can push you away from God or it can push you towards God. And I feel like in our city right now, I feel like people are like coming back. I don't mean like church people who ought to go to church anyways. I mean like the unchurched population of Airdrie. I'm just feeling like they're like, well, government didn't do it. And healthcare, God bless them. They're not God. Come on. And man, when hockey went away, it's not like I, and then, and career won't do it and money won't do it. And Man, there's this vacuum in my soul right now. I need something. I need, my sins are a problem. You know, we're left alone with our addictions, right? Locked up in our houses. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devout follower of the Lord. Now, we're going to just like take a scene missing here and kind of stay in, in the story with Obadiah. Because if, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know what's coming at Mount Carmel. There's like 450 prophets of Baal versus Elijah. And you're going to have to come back next week because I'm going to light that one on fire. Yes. That's going to be awesome. But we're not going there this week. You're going to have to wait for the Carmel Mountain. I would love a Carmel Mountain made out of Carmel. What do you want on your mountain, Corey? Carmel and peanuts. And some of y'all who are new to church are like... There was really a, no, there wasn't a mountain metaphor. In heaven, though, maybe you get one in heaven. I get a taco bar in heaven. Now, you can't distract me, Kim. I'm going to stay on my sermon notes. He summoned Obadiah, Ahab, who was in charge of the palace. He was a devo devoted follower of the Lord. Can you imagine? This is like the worst job description of all time. God's like, Obadiah, I want you to work for this psychomaniac with a psychomaniac wife. And this guy, like Ahab, was like a murderer and a crazy person and an idolater. And he was a psychopath. And Jezebel was much worse. And, and God's like, I want you to work there. I placed you there. And somebody just found out right now why you work where you work at Finning. <laughs> what an interesting place to work. And yet God's grace was there and God's call was there. And sometimes you want to work and sometimes you want to be in a family that never fights. And sometimes you want, God's like, I put you there for a reason. I got to get the light of the gospel in there somehow and you're it. So why don't you try smiling sometimes? <laughs> Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets. What? 
Yeah, she went through the land of Israel and tried to kill them all. You thought your week was bad. Like you ran out of cornflakes and you're like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened. He uh, hid a hundred of them in two caves, 50 prophets to a cave and supplied them with food and water. I love this guy because he likes breaking the rules. Where do you think he got the food and water from? From the king's palace? Who did he work for? Do you think that he could feed a hundred people on his salary? I love this guy. He's like, Ahab's not going to miss this. <laughs> Might as well use it for something good. He's feeding all these crazy prophets. Of Baal and Asherah. Why don't we feed some real prophets? Ahab said to Obadiah, we must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my people. No. Wouldn't you love to serve this king? To save some of my horses and mules. What an idiot, this guy, right? Like, I mean... I'm just saying what you're thinking. Like, <laughs> really? Obadiah's like, do you know how many starving kids we have in the nation right now? And you want to save your horses? You want to save your race car? Like, that's what you're saving. That's what you care about. Like, put gas in the race car, but let's not go get groceries, right? Like, this is the guy that Obadiah is working for. And you're like, God, it's so unjust. I have the worst boss in the history of bosses. <laughs> and God's like, nope. <laughs> put a smile on your face, Obadiah, and have fun. Have a little fun at work. It's probably not that bad. So they divided the land between them. You know what my dad said to me one time? He's like, son, you're probably getting paid exactly what you're worth. And I got depressed, but then I got over it and worked a little harder. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way and Obadiah went the other way by himself. As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming towards him. Obadiah recognized him at once. How? Because he's the hairiest man in Israel. He had a thing and he leaned into it. It's not making sense to you. How would you recognize? There was no Facebook. He didn't know what he looked like. Come on. He's like, I know who that is. That camel coat or whatever he was wearing. He recognized him at once, bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my Lord Elijah? He asked, listen, watch that term, my Lord Elijah. Not like Lord with a capital L, but like my Lord. Like, hey, uh, I know, like I serve the king of this land, but let's be honest about where the direction from the Lord comes from. Oh, my Lord, Elijah, you know, that's not a bad, bad thing, like to recognize human authority that God has placed, you know. And um, yes, it is, Elijah said. Now go and tell your master Elijah's here. Now watch this. I, 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 I feel like this needed to be in here. Um, oh, sir, Obadiah protested. What harm have I done to you? Like, what have I ever done to you that you're sending me to my death at the hands of Ahab? He goes, I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on earth from one end to the other to find you. And see, see, Ahab searched every nation to try to find Elijah because he thought that Elijah was the one who was the problem. When he didn't need to look that far, he could have just looked in the mirror in the morning. And the, oh, there's so much I could say to that. That's why you see all the faults in your husband. Because you think it's him, but it's not really. Sorry, no, two. I'm not allowed to preach to girls. I live with five of y'all. I'm not afraid of you. I know, I know all the tricks. I know all the Twitters. No, that's what God, see, God is trying to tell you about you, and then the devil just points you at somebody else with an anger problem. And you're like, see? And God's like, I'm talking to you about your anger problem. I mean, you care about your cousin's anger problem. I'm talking to you about you. See, the thing about carrying the mantle is that you've got to internalize the message first, because the message is always for you first. It's always for you. Some people come to, to me sometimes, they're like, pastor, I need to correct you about things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I have pastors. But what if the word that you're trying to correct me with is the word that God has for you? 
Because it is. How did he know? Because I'm a pastor's kid. How many times do you think I've seen this? Of course, when God sends a message, even a, 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 before I can preach it to you, he's got to preach it to me. And I got to be like, oh, so I hurt your feelings on Sunday. My feelings on Tuesday get hurt. <laughs> I get through it. I don't die. That's good for me. He says, um, Ahab sent to all these other kings and saying, is Elijah there? Is Elijah there? And if he's not, like, swear it to me. And they did. And it says, and now you say, go and tell your master Elijah is here. But as soon as I, as I leave you, the spirit of God's going to, like, transport you someplace. And then Ahab's going to kill me. But he's not saying this disrespectfully. I think he's just like, so I don't know how it works there with like how you get from place to place. But if I come back and you're not here, Ahab's going to kill me because he's crazy. Um, yet I've been a true servant of the Lord all my life. Has no one told you about the time I, I hid the hundred prophets in two caves and supplied them with Ahab's food and water? I, it must have been his. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah's here. Sir, if I do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. Then I think he added kind of this like, but what do you want me to do? Because, like, my Lord Elijah doesn't, in one sentence, get turned to, like, and I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no, it's like, I'll do it. I'm just letting you know that he's a bit crazy, you know. Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty in whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this day. See, sometimes Ahab, God doesn't appear to Ahab. He appears to you to try to get through to Ahab because... Watch what happens because Ahab is so hardened against the Lord. Do you ever know that, that sometimes people sin against you and hurt you so that you can forgive them so the Holy Spirit can have a door into them? And the only way for him to get the door is for him to be able to forgive them. But to forgive, to forgive them, they've got to hurt you. You ever thought about that? The only way into somebody's life might be them hurting you so you can forgive them. Come on, you're a child of God. You get it all in the end. Relax. God can heal you. But if he doesn't, you still get it all in the end. Don't you care about people? I came to that realization a long time ago. And then I started being like, thank God that that person hurt me. I forgive them. And Lord, I pray a blessing instead of the curse that they brought. I pray a blessing over their lives. Come on. It's not my grace anyways. That was for free. The first service didn't even get that. Now, Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? You can tell the thing that, that the devil will give you a keyword and he'll just start f floating it around in your head. And then when you go and talk to the prophet, you actually, he's a scapegoat. Like, you troublemaker? He's been rehearsing this speech. You ever rehearse a speech when you're mad at somebody and by the time you get there, like, you got it all planned out? Yeah, but what if the key word's wrong? And what if you're the problem? What if you're the troublemaker, you know? And Elijah's like, I've made no trouble for Israel. Like me? I'm just wearing this bearskin around, man. What am I doing to Israel, you know? He says, you and your family are the troublemakers. You refuse to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah who Jezebel feeds. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. You know, as bad as your boss is, I'll bet you he still kind of wants to know if God is God. He actually, Elijah's like, tells Ahab, like, hey, go summon all the people and summon the prophets. And Ahab does it. I think you need to be a little bolder sometimes. Maybe Ahab is as sinful as he is. Maybe he, part of him wants to, maybe this is God's opportunity for Ahab to repent and to get his life right. You don't decide for people that God's already judged them. Let God do the judging. Let God decide. 
<laughs> he summoned all the people, then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver? You, do you do a lot of wavering during COVID? Hobbling between two opinions. Hobbling, it's like I'm crippled. I'm kind of like bouncing from this thing to the other thing to like, oh, come on, venue church. Pro-COVID, anti-COVID, you know, pro-mass, come on. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, pro this, pro that, pro... Man, people got mad at me for not being on their side of whatever story they happen to be on. And I'm like, I thought that it was my job to speak when God spoke and maybe I shouldn't if he didn't. Man, why are you speaking about stuff that God didn't tell you to speak about? You're carrying the mantle. Speak when God tells you to speak and keep your mouth shut if he hasn't. Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. He's standing off the edges. Watch this, watch this. But this, this is something here that I don't want you to do. I don't want you to make this mistake. He said, but the people were completely silent. It was a time for them to say something and they were silent. They were keeping their options open. Look, let the world around you keep their options open and be silent, but don't you be silent, follower of Jesus. You have something to say. People who decide up front that they're following God, they're the anomalies today. They stick out like sore, hairy Elijah thumbs in the midst of a carefully cultivated world that's going to hell in a handbasket and everybody's still being nice about it. But when you decide up front, there's something about that that just confronts the world around you. You, know, you can be full of grace and kind about that, but man, you gotta decide up front. You know what? Everybody loved Moses until Pharaoh took the straw away to make bricks. Because God had to be like, are you tired of Egypt or not? Are you tired of the addiction or not? Are you tired of living a lackluster Christianity? Are you tired of going to church forever and never getting involved? Are you, do you want to be the person who sits in that building with the chair that you didn't pay for? Do you want to be the person who like, the single mom in church is paying for your kids to? And God's like, decide up front. And you know what? I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm not going to be a spectator in my relationships. I'm not going to leave a relationship that's hard if God didn't tell me to go. And I'll tell you, when it's hard, you hear that sometimes. But if God told you to be there, then stay there until... Come on. There's something in you, child of God, that you haven't tapped yet because you never needed the grace because the mantle you carried wasn't heavy enough yet. The devil wants you to be silent until you can see the end product. But listen, faith sings before it sees.